0: Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center. I want to minister tonight on the second part of the series we started called Purpose is Greater Than Self. And I use the greater than symbol. I figured you would already know what I meant by this. Um, Purpose is greater than self. Somebody say greater than the purpose that you have in your life is greater than your own self God created you outside of time placed you in time for a purpose you were not just born to live and die you were born with a purpose and it's my heart tonight to share the second part of this series with you with an emphasis on this know your role everybody say know your role everybody has a role and I just kind of explain that to you generically that marriage is like that you have the husband has a role the wife has a role the children have a role everybody has a role and as long as you fulfill your role and do it with a hundred percent you're doing what God asks you to do Amen. but we don't need anybody to point their finger at us tonight because we know ourselves it's about to get really really spiritual in this Presbyterian church we know ourselves if we are doing what we should be doing don't look at nobody just look inward you know and I know if I'm doing enough if I'm doing all I'm supposed to do can't blame my spouse well if she did this no I'm required to do my part even if they don't do their part. I know my role, amen, as an employer, as an employee, as a father, as a mother, as a co-worker. I have to fulfill my role as a pastor, as an elder, as a deacon, as a staff pastor, as a coach. I have to fulfill my role. Regardless, I, I'm call, my calling and election is from him who placed purpose on my life. So I don't get to pass. And I don't get any time off, you know, because I got in a funk. God God didn't get in no funk. He'll help me through it, but I got to take ownership of it. Say, no your role. So I say this, you have a purpose say that with me you have a purpose now i want to speak tonight out of first corinthians chapter 3 verses 6 through 7 and we've been digesting what paul was saying to the church in corinth and we're going to continue a little bit of that tonight through these two verses but notice when paul is addressing the church in corinth remember what i told you that corinth was a church that was um, very charismatic It was a church that had its own YouTube channel (laughs) well it was a church that uh, always had something going on it was charismatic but it was also full of conflict Paul had to address so many things to get these people in order it's kind of like when the Word of God gets on us and God's trying to get us to get in order We know if we're in order or not. We can blame the pastor, blame the pastor's wife, blame the deacons, blame the elders, blame the parking lot people, blame the ushers because they didn't sit us in our favorite row. But at the end of the day, I'm accountable for me. Amen? Amen. Paul had to deal with all kinds of stuff. And finally, he plants these churches and then has to come back and deal with stuff every transition so look what he says here in first chapter first uh, first, first corinthians 3 in verse 6 and 7 i have planted paul wasn't boasting he was just reminding them i have planted apollos watered but god gave the increase so then neither is he that planteth anything neither he that watereth but that but God that giveth the increase he was trying to explain to them not to be personality driven he was explaining to them there's nobody greater there are no big eyes and little u's in the kingdom of God and, and I will say it like this the team that is serving in Little Village tonight are just as important as to then what I'm doing in this pulpit as they are ministering to the young souls in our church shaping their life with truth the people that are in the media rooms are preaching this gospel tonight they help me be able to preach this the people in the Eagles nest that are putting up the scriptures and the the, the points and stuff if they don't do their job the congregation is looking around and shooting dirty looks. It's just like the sound people. They never get credit until something goes off and everybody turns around and stares a death stare at them. But they rarely get a compliment. Would you give a compliment to Brother Ben this evening? So, Paul was saying, I planted, Apollos watered, but it was ultimately God that gave the increase. The first pastor that I remember that I actually comprehended their teaching and their preaching was a pastor by the name of Davy Bennett. I, took, I wrote, write these things down because it helps me to remember my lineage, my spiritual DNA. Pastor Davy Bennett, wasn't my first pastor. Brother Underwood was my first pastor that I remember. I remember one night he was preaching and I was probably four or five years old and I had borrowed a butterscotch candy from my friend Ronnie and I got choked on the butterscotch candy while Brother Underwood was preaching in the pulpit and I vomited in the middle of the aisle. They're beating my back in the middle of this pastor's message. I vomit all over the carpet and I'll never forget the look that Brother Underwood gave me. (laughs) I was like I remember that. I remember the color of the carpet. I remember who I was, and what side of the church I was sitting on. It had a real impact on my life. But I was so young, I did not really comprehend what he was preaching. I I knew he preached and I you know I saw people respond to the preaching and families were growing because of that but I didn't know they were growing I just knew the atmosphere was always charged with great energy and people were shouting and buck shouting and running and all kinds of stuff and but when we got to Uniontown Church of God brother under brother Bennett became my pastor and I started to comprehend as a young person we would sit in the sanctuary. We didn't have kids' church. Sometimes we would have children's church, sometimes we didn't, It just depend on if we had a faithful teacher. So you never knew if there was gonna be children's ministry. You just had to go and sit in the seat and hear him preach and endure those services. And so I learned how to make forts with songbooks to my cars and my Hot Wheels. Would have a place, to, a garage to park in and I sat within pinching distance of my mother who made sure I didn't get too loud. But she let me bring those things to kind of keep me occupied. Uh, But there came a time, even in those altar services, that the Spirit of God would move that I sat up in attention. And I listened to my pastor preach and I saw the anointing upon him. He preached with conviction. He preached with passion. And that, that marked me. His enthusiasm of the Bible affected me personally. It marked me. I remember the messages as he would preach them, and it had a positive impact on my life. Now, my father, Ray Hilton, who is my teaching spiritual father, also grounded me in the word of God, and he created a hunger in me for the word of God. As I sat up under my pastor, my father, I started developing a hunger for the Word of God, where I started getting hungry to read my Bible. I started getting hungry to understand passages and really be able to decipher the children's messages that had been taught to me at Sunday school. I, I didn't understand they were really just laying that foundation for me. That's why it's so important that you have your children in church because that one hour you give the church, your child isn't really gonna cut it, but it will help. The church can't do for you as a parent what you should be doing at home. The church can only partner with you. They can't raise your child for you. Pastor Hill then would become my next pastor, and he is my pastoral father, spiritual father. And he made the scriptures come alive to me as well. I wanted to fill my life with every spiritual truth that my mind could comprehend as he preached the word. And so both my father and, my, uh, and Pastor Hill spent time pouring into my life. And here's how they did it. They corrected me, admonished me, exhorted me, guided me, Taught me, trained me, spanked me. That's the part we don't want to talk about because you know we're so grown, can't nobody. But that's what they did. And under their tutelage, they grounded me in the truth through sound doctrine. Not YouTube cray-cray. Not Facebook prophets. They grounded me in sound doctrine. hmm For God has not given you the spirit of fear, but power and love and a sound mind, where you make good decisions. Now, back in the day, we didn't have Facebook prophets or YouTube prophets back then. But every time I got in error, my pastors corrected my thinking and helped me search for truth that bore witness with the spirit. Because they cared about my soul. And they cared about where I ended up. I learned to serve through the covering of my pastors. I didn't wait for them to draw close to me. I drew close to them, even if they didn't want me close. I served them, I remember carrying Pastor Hill's 50 pound Bible, had a big leather bound on it, it was leather bound I mean that thing was his family Bible size, I'd carry that thing into church for him carry it proud because I was carrying my pastor's Bible wasn't doing it for show but was so honored to be able to have the opportunity to carry the man of God's Bible that he was going to preach from I served him I served our pastor's wife. I, I ministered to their needs. And, and I would say this, that wherever you serve in the body, serve with a pure heart. I served even when I didn't know if I was doing a good job or not. Didn't get no performance reviews. Sometimes I got a pat on the back, sometimes it didn't. Sometimes Pastor Hill would buy my Sunday meal at the chicken place. Mr. Chicken. Mr. Steak. That's what it was called. Mr. Steak. I, I, they should have called it Mr. Chicken because that's what I ate every time I went. I, I served when I felt close. I served when I felt distant. I served even if I didn't think I was making an impact. I served, and one day I realized that all that serving was a setup. That God was using them to set me up. Now I want you to draw your attention to Acts chapter 6 where God started something new. God started a new ministry. Uh-oh, you know how people get when something new comes on the scene. Well, I don't know if I'm for it or against it. God started a new ministry in Acts chapter 6 verse 1. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews, because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them, the 12 being the apostles, and they said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables, wherefore, brethren, Look you out among you seven men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. I guarantee you that when God introduced this new ministry in the church that it drew opposition well, I don't want the deacons praying for me. I want the apostles praying for me. I don't want someone under delegated authority to come pray for me in the hospital. I want the big cheese. <laughs> come on now. Can you imagine the stir? They already stirred up because their needs aren't being met. Boy, it sounds like a bunch of church folk, don't it? I'm not happy. My children aren't happy. I'm just not happy. And so the apostles said, okay, let's meet the need. Isn't the need the most important thing? The message never changes, but the method does. And so God says, we're going to import and bring deacons in and spread the work of the ministry. The deacons drew close to the apostles and served the apostles by ministering to the church. Deacons are to hold up the arms of their pastors to help them achieve the mission. Same thing for every ministry leader. You're to hold up the arms of your leader to help them achieve the mission. The role is vital and in order to serve effectively, we have to stay free from offense, we have to serve with gratitude, we have to remember the mission at all times, and remain prayed up and filled with the Spirit. Remember what the Bible said that when he appointed them, he said they they need to be full of the Holy Ghost. Ask your neighbor tonight, are you still full? Wherever we serve, we have to stay in our role, stay in your role, and not assume more than what's been assigned. I serve as an assistant general bishop to our general bishop, Bishop Wayman Ming. I am one of six assistant generals across the nation of the United States. But I only serve where I'm told. I don't assume more than I'm assigned. When we have a meeting, the confines of that conversation stay in that meeting. I don't tell my wife, I don't tell other people. It doesn't ever get leaked from me. When my bishop says, I need you to do this, I do it. Because I am assigned to that role. I know where my role starts, I know where my role ends. If I was a district bishop, that means I'm a pastor of pastors in one district, for example, the state of Indiana my role is not to have my hand in every church in the district my role is to pastor the pastors of the district for me to make calls to them and say what's the condition of your soul how's your spouse doing or how are your children holding up can I pray for you for a healing in your body not for me to meddle and try to get involved in their business of the church. I'm to pastor the pastors. If I am a local pastor, then my role is to be the primary feeder, leader, and visionary. That's my role. I can't do that effectively, be the primary feeder, leader and visionary if i don't have a team of people to help me minister to the body there's one of me and many of thee if i'm a staff pastor then i know my role i am assigned to a role pastor wayne and lisa are assigned to outreach Pastor Ethan and Caitlin are assigned to operations and other things. (laughs) Pastor Cross and Destiny are assigned to the student ministry. Amen? Pastor and Sister Hill are assigned to the caring of our members. When we have people in the hospital, when we have people who are sick and afflicted, we, they are to call on them and to minister to them and bring us report of their health. So we all know our role. And when we all do our role, we are effective together. Elders have a role. Deacons have a role. Elders eld and deacons deek. Elders have spiritual oversight. Deacons have temporal oversight. Ministry coaches have a role. Volunteers have a role, amen? Can you imagine if our media director, Ben Butcher, filled out the planning center and put everyone at their assigned place and someone just decided not to show up? They're on the schedule, they get the same email and text that everyone else gets, but they just decide, I'm not going tonight. Don't call nobody, don't communicate. Can you imagine what kind of hymn hall and circus that would be? You wouldn't get by with that on your job. How much more should we do better in the kingdom of God? Because we are handling the work of God, which is paramount above all things. Should be very serious in our heart. We should never leave the church in the lurch. If I know that I'm not going to be here, I prepare someone in my stay who will do it as good as I do it or better so that nothing suffers in my absence. I have great respect for every pastor and every spiritual father that has shaped my life. Their knowledge and ability and godly example have shaped me and provided my spiritual development, which I still need. One planted, one watered. My spiritual development, just like what Paul said, I've planted and Apollos watered. So look again at Paul and Apollos. Write their names down in your journal. You have Paul and you have Apollos. As an apostle called to the city of Corinth, Paul was responsible for starting the church in the city. However, he also served as their first pastor until God raised up another pastor to take Paul's place. That replacement was a well-respected, highly educated man from Alexandria in Egypt named Apollos. And soon, when Paul made his departure, Apollos became the senior pastor of the Corinthian church. History tells us that Apollos was a gifted orator who was renowned for his eloquence. He could speak. And in Paul's absence, the Corinthian believers naturally began to compare the different speaking styles of Paul and Apollos that's why I don't tell you when I'm not gonna be here cuz I don't care who's bringing the word you need it I need it it don't matter what flavor of Doritos you like it's still a Dorito come on somebody look over at somebody especially the guilty well, I'm not gonna go because I caught wind on social media, Pastor, won't gonna be there. He won't know if I'm not here. <laughs> so they began to compare Paul and Apollos' preaching styles to one another. Some who had been in the church since the beginning at the old campus were extremely affectionate toward Paul and maybe didn't even like the new style of their new pastor. And then there were others in the church who loved Apollos and thought, well, his preaching is more superior, more eloquent than Paul's. Yet the message Paul and Apollos preached was the same, but just different styles. (laughs) So when Paul heard that there was divisions forming. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. Divisions were forming in the church hallway. Whispers from these home groups. Mm, mm. Over the issue of his and Apollos' different styles of ministry, he had to write another letter. And he says in verse 6: I have planted. And Apollos has watered. I want to take a closer look in the statement to see what Paul actually meant. Write the word planted down. The word planted in this verse is translated from the Greek word phutuo, which is the form of futon, the Greek word for a plant, and it simply means the act of planting a plant. Paul said, I have planted, the act of planting a plant. (laughs) Paul uses this word metaphorically and described his role in Corinth. My role was to plant the plant, to plant the church, to plant the church plant, come on. He said, I'm the planter. My task was to penetrate the darkness of this city. My task was to plant a church where people said it could not be planted. My task was to penetrate every wickedness that was going around. And there's no doubt that this city of Corinth had the toughest spiritual ground that he had ever encountered. It was surely one of the most difficult places to minister and to pastor a church. It's like a a neglected garden that's overrun. If you have a neglected garden, it's got weeds in it. It's got critters in it, critters. It's got pests in it. And we know just by what Paul described to us early that the church of Corinth was infested with demons, infested with people who had a bad attitude and a bad spirit. He was dealing with all kinds of mess in the church he had planted. Come on, somebody. And in order to plant the gospel in people's hearts and firmly establish the church in a tough environment, he had to press forward. And he had to till the ground with the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ because he did not care if the people didn't like him. He didn't care if he was going to be on their restaurant list. He didn't care of whether or not he was a who's who among them. He came to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to cry aloud and despair not. He didn't worry himself about going to everybody's party he stayed focused on his assignment and he got down on his hands and his knees and he pulled the weeds don't get mad at your pastor when they got to pull the weeds in your life it's hard work yet for one and a half years paul poured his life in pioneering that church and when he finally left Corinth to pursue his apostolic call in another city, the Corinthian church had not only been planted, but it by that time, of all that rooting out, he had rooted it firmly, and it was producing good fruit. Hallelujah. So Paul described his role in Corinth as a planter. However, he was fully aware of his responsibility when it ended and when it began. It's important you know when it begins and ends. That's why I say stay in the lines. Don't go beyond your assignment. Stay in your assignment and make it flourish. And that is why he continued to say, I planted, but Apollos watered. Write the word watered down. It's the Greek word podzi Padzo. which often means to water or to irrigate. So he tells the church, I'm the planter, I planted the plant, and he said, Apollos watered you and irrigated you. I like to say it wasn't just irrigation, it was irritation. Sometimes you gotta be irritated out of your mess out of your stinking opinion. You know how many times the Holy Ghost has convicted me on my bed and irritated me till I got victory in my soul over my opinion? So he says this word water is the very word that could be described to depict a farmer who is watering the garden to provide nourishment to the plants so that they could grow because you know if you don't water the plants, they're not gonna grow. But it can also be translated with this word, and I want you to write this off to the side, absorb. So in context, we would actually say that when he watered the field, that the field absorbed it, or it became soaked and saturated in water. Paul was the planting of the plant Apollos was the soaker and the saturator. He come to lay it on them. He come to get them so, so wet and soppy and so drenched and so absorbed, my God, so saturated. He was saying, Apollos' role. He knew his role. He watered. He, uh, he was giving Paul a great compliment. He said, Paul acknowledged what a Paul acknowledged what a wonderful man that Apollos was, and the role that he played in the church. Paul was the one that had to pull the weeds. Paul was the one that had to set the house in order. Paul's the one that had to deal with personalities and principalities. Paul's the one that had to deal with setbacks. Paul's the one that had to deal with people who were double minded. Paul was the one who had to deal with all that stuff that was going on he pulled the weeds he chased away the pests he planted the seed and he established new growth for that young plant to begin to flourish because if the plant is going to flourish you got to pull the weeds out you got to say I'm not having that mess in my house I'm not having that in my marriage I'm not having that in my home I'm not having that in my church I'm not having that in my staff I'm not going to have a staph infection. I got to get rid of all that mess not just for me, but the person who's coming behind. Because we always make the way better for the people coming behind us. And Paul knew his role and he pays a great compliment to Apollos and says he knew his role. I'm going to plant the plant, but he's going to water it regularly with the word of God. So the role of both ministers was vital, amen? No matter what the flavor of the Dorito, both were necessary. Then Paul continues, and he said, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. Write the word increase down. Increase is the Greek word oxano, which means to cause to grow. cause to increase or to cause to become enlarged he said I'm the plant I planted the plants Apollos watered it drenched it saturated but it was God that gave the increase and by using this word Paul was teaching us that you and I are always dependent upon God come on I am dependent on him to provide the growth and to provide the increase even if I do everything right as I plant the crop and I water the crop it still it depends on God amen if I could put it in another way we can carry out our different roles of planting and watering but only God can provide the sunshine and the weather that allows it to grow. I planted it, I watered it, but if God hadn't allowed sunshine, if God hadn't allowed space, that's why we can't get hung up on ourselves. think more of ourselves than we should. If God doesn't intervene and provide his part, all my planting and all my watering is in vain. It depends on God. So I have to make sure as I carry out my role with effectiveness and efficiency that I'm always conscious of the fact I'm not responsible for the growth he is. It's his church, it's not my church. I used to get really hurt when people would leave the church. I did, I'd get hurt, my feelings get hurt. And I'll be honest with you, I'm human. I'm transparent with you. It hurts. I think the reason it hurts so much is because you pour your life out to people. You give much. Come on, JR. You pour yourself. We know. You pour yourself into people. and, And they leave without a hello, not a goodbye. They leave in an email. And you're thinking, you didn't come in an email. How do you leave in an email? Or they leave because they got offended but they ne- and they let that offense stir but they never once talked to you about it. And if they had talked to you about it, they would have realized you didn't even know they was offended. But see how the devil gets in there. That's why Paul had to rid the pests and rid that weeds and all that stuff and the word of God had to water our soul. Amen? Amen? And so we have to be conscious to realize it's not us. So I used to hold people with a tight fist. And the Lord helped me, it took a while because I needed a lot of training to lead with an open hand. Because they actually belong to him, not me. But it'd be no different if you raised up some people in your house. You take ownership, not that you are their owner and Lord, but you take ownership because you have poured your life into them, made many sacrifices to see that they got to achieve their goals. But we live in a world now where people just do what they want to do. It used to be you were loyal to a certain grocery store, a certain airline, right? A certain brand of vehicle. Some people are only Chevy people. We pray for them people. Some people only afford people, don't get offended now, come on now, you're better than that. (laughs) But we were loyal to just our brand, you know what I'm saying? Loyal to being a Democrat, loyal to being a Republican, to the point that we'll fight each other in the church. That ain't nothing but junk that ain't nothing but junk that's why we don't promote that mess here now everybody's entitled to their persuasion and opinion but you're not gonna find us here at this house walking around looking for something to fight about there's enough and let me just say this politely you got enough business of your own you don't need to be sticking your nose in anyone else's business Cause you got plenty that needs to be taken care of amen look at your neighbor and say I'm glad you heard that because that was for you all you I'm almost done but what I want you to understand is that it was God that gave the increase and Paul acknowledged that I planted Apollos watered and God gave the increase, everybody had their role. I'm thankful for my pastors. They firmly planted the seed of God in my life and they watered that seed until it was saturated by the word of God. And they were vital to my early growth as a Christian, as a man of God. But ultimately, it was God that caused me to grow. They, those men and women, I had a Sunday school teacher by the name of Julie Cunningham, who absolutely brought the scriptures to life to me. Every Sunday morning, they were all part of my process and I'm thankful for every one of them who invested in my life. But the one who caused me to really grow was God himself. It was he that gave the increase, amen? And I think it is writing and it is fit for us to reach back and acknowledge the people who have played a major part in our life. It's right to do so. But don't make the mistake that the Corinthians made and get so fixated on a personality that you forget that it's actually God who's the one that caused you to grow. So don't get in people's sides and start siding with this one or that one. Keep your eyes on Jesus. As you play a God-given role in God's assignment for your life, do you know that God has also assigned you to be someone else's assignment? That you are also to lead someone else to be a role model for them? so that they can fulfill their role. So that's why we have to do our very best with what we're entrusted. I don't have the luxury of coming in here late. I don't have the luxury of slipping and sliding, peeping and hiding. I don't have the luxury of living a part-time Christian life, come to church once every six weeks and think I'm really something. We all know if we're doing what God expects of us. Amen? are you with me let's pray father before we hit these altars tonight Lord I'm asking you to search our hearts God I I sincerely want to thank you for every person who played an important role in my life they shaped my spiritual development, I'm thankful for that, Lord. Thank you, God, for allowing them to help me, to correct me, to assist me, to teach me. And I'm thankful for the investment they made in my life. Lord, I'm so grateful that you loved me enough that you put people in my life who would care for my soul. I have much gratitude for you for that. And I ask, Lord, today that as they have invested in me, that I would walk in my role and assignment and I would in turn invest in someone else. That I could be responsible to help someone grow, to experience increase and success. I realize that none of it came from me. It came from you. It's you that gives the increase. I pray in Jesus' name. And as you're praying that prayer with me and I want you to to begin to make a series of confessions today I hope this message has been different enough to get your attention that your purpose is greater than yourself do you know that your purpose is greater than your feelings my feelings have been hurt so many times. I, I had to learn to keep going. Because if I lived by feeling, I would let go of faith. So I couldn't relinquish faith. I ultimately had to tie my soul to it and anchor my heart. And say, Lord, I don't live by feeling. I live by faith. If I have lived by feeling, I would have quit this church a long time ago. I would have quit my marriage a long time ago. I would have quit my responsibilities and I would have said put a fork in me I'm done but God captured my heart God dealt with me and he's still dealing with me I don't think he'll ever stop dealing with me there will always be something in me that God is after but I want to stay in my role because if I stay in my role Other people will fulfill theirs. If I stay in my role, other people will fulfill theirs. Because I now know that my role is significant enough that God assigned it to me. And He's using me to help other people. I'm talking to somebody in this place. I want you to confess tonight that you recognize that that it is a privilege to do what you do. Because some of us are complaining with our breath while someone else in this world is breathing their last. Don't forget that the people who prayed to have what you have wish they have what you have. If God's given you favor in a church or a favor with a a business or favor with a group, don't take that for granted. If God's given you pastors and spiritual leaders in your life who love you enough to speak to you in love, to bear with you and be long-suffering, don't take that for granted. If God's given you a role to be a a king who funds the vision in the house and the, the vision, kings fund it, priest dream it, then thank God he gave you the money to do that. Consider it a privilege, not an entitlement, a privilege. Consider it a a privilege and an honor to tend to the seed with love and care. To nourish it and saturate it. That you fulfill your assignment and your role. If you are called to a ministry and you're serving in the house or out of the house, then do it with everything you have. Don't be slothful about it. You're doing it unto God. He keeps track. He knows. People, God is, he he will let certain things slide for a season, but there's coming a reckoning where he's going to hold us accountable and ask the question, "Will I find faith when I come? What will 2024 look like for your home? All around us are people who are in need of someone to help them. And because the Holy Spirit is working in your life and making you more like Jesus, we then must be willing and ready and desirous to be that blessing, to be a key person to someone. God has given me a role to play in the spiritual development of others, and I know that. Not only my family and my children and my grandchildren, but in this house, in your family, as a spiritual leader in your life, I I take that role serious. I don't ever step into this pulpit without something prepared in my heart and prayed over, as I am the primary feeder, primary leader, and primary visionary of this house. delegated by the help of the Holy Ghost leaders who also carry that same fire within their belly. But they are also responsible to tend to the seed that God gave them. I declare in Jesus' name that every one of us in this church will impact this community church will be more than just coming and attending but it will be a weekly gathering of people of souls and building material that i would not be negligent to invite people to know you lord and then invite them in after their experience of salvation to be discipled and to be nurtured in a loving covenant family i'm responsible and i must know my role i'm asking you tonight to pray where you're at and ask the Lord to reveal to you your role and to reacquaint you again with the role in your life. As they sing this song, if you want to pray in the altar, come. If you want to pray in your seat, come. But please pray. Ask God to help you know your role. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Bethel Family Worship Center.